Well, today we're in our second week of a four-week study looking at the Old Testament prophet known as Elisha. And before we dive in, I was wondering, how many of you have ever played the if-only game? You know what I'm talking about? If only I had a better job. If only I had more money. If only I had more hair, right? Or hair in the right places. If only God would answer this one prayer. All throughout life, we have if only times where we have needs in our life that arise and we think, God, if only you could, and you fill in the blank. What I want to do today is encourage you to listen to this message through the lens of your greatest need. And I pray God will bless you and minister to you uh, throughout this message this morning. First, I want to see our context, and then we're going to move into our main thought. The context to set it up is we're going to see three kings who joined together to battle against the Moabites. Three against one, they thought. This should be easy. Very decisive victory. But oftentimes in life, the things that we think will be easy don't go as planned. Right? Who knows what I'm talking about? Something comes up and it's like, oops, that didn't turn out the way that I thought. Well, that's what happens to these three kings. Instead of winning easily as they thought, they find their troops marching around for seven days, wandering in the desert, and they realize they are completely and totally out of water. They're about to die of thirst, and their animals are about to die of thirst, and they have a very significant need. This story is going to teach us a main principle if you're taking notes, and hopefully you do that on that outline that's in the lobby. If you're taking notes, here's the great... The, the main principle, your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend upon God. Now, that can be great news to a lot of us. Here it is again. Your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend upon God. Now, let's read our text, a very powerful truth. We'll begin in 2 Kings chapter 3, verses 9 through 12 to get us going. Verse 9 says, So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, that's our three kings. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for their animals with them. All right, they're in trouble. Verse 10, What, exclaimed the king of Israel, has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? In other words, we thought we were going to win easily, but now it looks like we're going to be destroyed. But Jehoshaphat, one of the kings, asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Now, if you missed last week, Elijah mentioned mentored Elisha. And if you know about the prophet Elijah, you'll know that he did many great things. 
Prince of the nation was in great in a great drought. He called upon God to send rain. A cloud that started the size of a hand was then able to bring one of the biggest storms out of the smallest of clouds. And so they're thinking, wow, if Elijah did that, maybe Elisha can help us as well. Verse 12, Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with Elisha. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Let me make sure you got what's going on here. Three kings going up in battle against the Moabites. Moabites. They think they're going to win easily, but they find themselves in big danger. They're out of what? Water. Awesome. Now, what you may not know is these three kings are not serving God. They're not even seeking God. But all of a sudden, they find themselves in trouble, and they do what a lot of us do. They say, God, where are you? God, can you help us? We're in trouble. So many people pay no attention to God until they hit a wall. They hit the trouble. And then all of a sudden, God, where are you? And they're like, Who, who's in really good with God, these guys are thinking. Is there anybody who can do a little rain dance? You know, pull something together for us? And they say, oh, yeah, Elisha, the prophet, maybe he can help us out of this mess. Surely they heard about the miracles that Elisha was doing in his rookie year as a prophet. He had already separated the Jordan, okay? He had already separated the Jordan River. Another time, he spoke to a polluted spring of water that was unable to give any source of drinking water. He spoke to it, healed the water, so it became healthy and good to drink. Another thing he did, I love this, there were some young boys making fun of him, and suddenly they just kept screaming at him. Evidently, Elisha didn't have a lot of hair. The young boys were calling out, Baldy, Baldy, Baldy. Say it with me. Baldy, Baldy. Elisha calls on a bear to destroy the boys. Wipe the boys. That's true. It's in your Bible. I did not make that up. All right? And so you really, a lesson for us is you should never really make fun of a bald guy. You don't know how much faith he has or if there's a bear nearby. So Ken's in the back. Leave Ken alone. All right? Leave him alone. So they're like, well, Elisha can help us out. And what do you think he's going to do? I'll tell you what he's going to do. He is going to cop an attitude with these guys. And I love this. He's like, okay, okay, boys, I get it. You want to ignore God. You're in trouble. And now you want God, some God action. You want God to show up. I'm going to be a smart aleck here. He cops an attitude. Here's what he says, verses 13 and 14. Elisha said to the king of Israel, why do you want to involve me? Okay, guys, you've been ignoring God all this time. Why do you want to involve me? Go to the prophets of your father or the prophets of your mother. Here is attitude. He brings mama into it, right? Go to your mama. 
Your mama's got a prophet. Why are you trying to involve me? To me, that's fun. That's a fun part of the Bible. It's hilarious. I don't know about you, but I grew up in church and I was bored to death. All I did was pay attention to the guy who sat in front of me that opened up a wrapper of candy every single Sunday. I hope you're not bored. I hope you have fun with this. Go get your mama. He goes on. He says, call the prophets of your mother. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hands of Moab. Elijah said, and he's going to keep me in a smart alley. Here he goes. As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, in other words, who you guys aren't serving, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, who I serve, if I didn't have any respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I wouldn't pay any attention to you. He's saying to the two kings, okay, Jehoshaphat, he's not serving God now, but he used to fear God. If it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't pay attention to you other two guys. But because he's here, I'm your guy. I'm your prophet. We're going to continue. Verse 15, he makes a demand. He says, now, but now bring me a harpist. Right? Bring me a harpist. Boys, if you want me to prophesy, you got to bring me some mood music. Right? You got to bring me the biggest, heaviest instrument, and you got to play it, and then I'll prophesy. Again, that's hilarious to me. I say, Greg, I'm not going any further until you go get me a harp. Right? You'll probably need a truck because a harp's pretty big. But he sets the mute. You say, that's pretty demanding. Well, it wasn't uncommon practice for the prophets back then to do that to bring in some worship music. And we can kind of relate to that, right? There's something about music that brings us into the presence of God and into the heart of God that prepares us for the word of God, that prepares our hearts. And so Elijah's like, play the harp. And so the three kings are like, okay, Music's playing. You've set the mood. We can feel it coming. He's going to give us a word of encouragement. We're ready. He's going to tell God to send the rain. And what's he do? He doesn't give them a word of encouragement, but he gives them a ridiculous command. Verses 15 and 16, King James Version. When the minstrel played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he says, thus saith the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Read it with me. Make. Huh? What? Wait. <laughs> Wait. Make this valley full of ditches? Elijah, I thought you were going to call on God. It was going to rain. We could take our shoes off, play in the puddles. I thought everything was going to be fine. But now our troops are dying of thirst. Our animals are dying. We're in the hot desert sun. And you want us to, yeah, I want you guys to dig ditches. Dig a ditch. I want you to dig some ditches. And we're going to see 
that your greatest need often becomes your greatest blessing when it drives you to depend upon God. Verses 17, 18. For this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, you have no idea how powerful our God is. You have no idea how strong, how mighty God is. With a snap of a finger, he could make this happen. And oh, by the way, you know the other thing you wanted? He's going to do that too. He will deliver Moab into your hands. But first, I want you to what? Dig some ditches. Dig some ditches. That's the context. The rest of the time, I want to apply it to you and I. And on your sermon notes, there's a subtitle at the top that says, Faith That Works. Say it with me. Faith. In other words, faith in action. What's that look like? Let me give you two principles of faith that works. The first one, and this is good. I, ho I hope you get excited about this. God, only God can send water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. Only God can send water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. James says in James 2.26, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without what? Works. Works. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants to see your faith. Sometimes he wants to see you dig a ditch. Do you really think the God of the universe needed these guys to dig a ditch? <laughs> no, no way. God can do anything. God can say, ditches everywhere. There's lakes, oceans, rivers. He can do it is his command. But he wanted to see the faith of these guys. It's almost as if he's saying, you show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. You show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. Because God loves to see our faith. We see it all over the New Testament again and again. You show me your faith I'll show you my faithfulness. How do you see faith? If I bow my head and I'm praying, can you see my faith rising up out of my brain? Too much there? No, you can't see that. How do you see faith? You see faith when it's in action. When it's in action, when Peter was on the boat, he said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come to you and I'll come. Jesus said, come. And what did Peter do? He got out of the boat. What the 11 boys do? Other boys <laughs> just sat there. It's only seeing the faith of Peter because Peter was willing to get out of the boat. There are so many times when God wants us to participate in his miracles. 
He wants to do the miracle, but he wants to see us in action participating in the miracle. Again and again in the Bible, there was a guy who couldn't walk for years and years and years, his whole life. Jesus looks at him and says, get up. Okay, he couldn't do what for years? Walk, get up. Get up, pick up your mat, come on, get up and walk. I'm only going to heal you when you get up. And you start to walk. I want to see you have faith. I want to see you believe. So get up. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. I believe there are so many people who are like waiting for God to show up with his faithfulness, and they're not willing to show God any faith. That's huge. Take a step of faith and watch God move. You want to quit smoking? If you're in here and you smoke on your way out, throw the cigarettes in the trash can and say, here's my step, God. Here's my step. You want to heal a relationship, a broken relationship? When you leave here today, instead of asking for them to ask you to forgive them, you forgive them first. And say, so, you know what, I don't know. You might not know I have this against you, but I want, I want to let you know I forgive you. Somebody's treating you badly, you don't treat them badly back. You treat them the way God would want you to treat them. You take a step of faith. What's it called? You're digging a ditch. People say, I want more money. I want more money. And yet they don't tithe. They don't give. God gives us a ridiculous principle. Yes, it's absolutely, completely contrary to our human mind. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. We can't really understand it. But here it is. If you give God your first and your best, he'll bless the rest. Try it. And for those of you who are tithers, those of you who are give, give, understand the supernatural power of God to do more with 90% than he does with 100% of what he's blessed you with. And again, you're digging a ditch. Only can he send water when he sees you digging a ditch. Second principle, real faith believes big but is willing to start small. Read that with me. Real faith. I know many, many people who call themselves believers, who call themselves Christians, who are not willing to think big enough, not willing to have a big vision. We serve a God who can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. We need to think big because we serve a big God. But I also know just as many who won't think big and at the same time, they're not willing to start small. Think about it. How do you dig a ditch? Well, back in the ninth century, how you dug a ditch was one shovel at a time. One shovel 
of load of dirt at a time, right? You start small. Zechariah 4.10 says, do not despise these. Somebody help me out. Do not despise these what? Small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Sometimes you got to start small to see God move. I love the story of during World War II, there was a boy named Bobby Hill, true story, lived in Italy. His father was a sergeant in the Allied forces stationed there. And Bobby read a book about Dr. Albert Schweitzer and his medical mission in Africa. And Bobby was so impressed with what he read, he immediately wanted to do something to help Dr. Schweitzer in his medical mission out. So here's what he did. He went down to the PX and he bought a bottle of aspirin. And he sent that bottle of aspirin to Lieutenant Richard Lindsay, the commander of the Allied forces in Southern Europe. With the aspirin, he enclosed this note. Sir, if any of your planes fly over Southern Africa, could you please parachute this bottle of aspirin down to help out Dr. Schweitzer? If any of your planes fly over there, please parachute this bottle of aspirin down to help out Dr. Schweitzer. When General Lindsay received the aspirin, he was so touched by the boy's desire to help, he told all of his friends, everyone around him, the radio stations got a hold of it, began to broadcast this boy's heart and the message and what he did. The Italian and French Air Forces ended up providing planes. Contributions to the medical mission came in from everywhere. And when all was said and done, back in the 1940s, $400,000 worth of medical supplies were collected and flown and dropped to Albert Schweitzer in Africa. Isn't that cool? Dr. Schweitzer later said, I never dreamed one little boy with a little bottle of aspirin could do so much. I wonder what God could do with you if you're willing to start small, if you're willing to finally start to dig a ditch, I wonder what God could do with you for the kingdom of God. One little kid gave two fish and five loaves of bread. And with it, Jesus fed thousands. You know why? Little becomes much when you place it in the hands of God. I love that. Brenda and I had the privilege last week of going out to Arizona to be with my son and daughter-in-law and our three-year-old grandson. We've got another grandson on the way. We went out to help out. When I got back this week and went into my office, on my desk <laughs> was this bottle, jar. I thought, wow, that is so cool. 
It's called the giving jar. They give freely and share with those in need. Psalms 112, verse 9. The note attached, Jeff, this is a little hope in a jar to try to make, I try to make one each year. Perhaps you know someone looking for some hope this season. You say, oh, that's not much. But that's what I call digging a ditch. That's what I call an act of faith, starting small, to watch God move. If you think about it, that's what we're doing here at Northside Medina. Pretty soon it'll be a year we've been in this building. We started small, and God is changing the hearts of his people one heart at a time. I want to encourage you to keep thinking big, but also realize that it starts in the small things. What are we doing here? We're digging a ditch, saying, God, I believe you can. God, I believe you can. God, I believe you can. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 20 says this. The next morning, about the time for the offering of the sacrifice. You ready? There it was. After they faithfully dug the ditches, the Bible said water was flowing from the direction of Edom. And say it with me. And the land was filled with water. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. Some of you right now, you've got a significant need in your life. You may be thinking, if only, if only God you could meet this need. If only God you could answer this one prayer. Never forget, your biggest need can become your bigger blessing when it drives you to depend upon God. Because only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. Real faith, real faith believes big, but it's willing to start small. And I pray for a church of people who think big, think big, but are always willing to start small, believing that by faith, by faith, long before there's a cloud in the sky or any sign of water, that if I keep digging ditches, God is faithful enough to send the water. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much, God, that you trust us here in this world. You trust us with your mission. You trust us with passion that we can come alongside of you. Realizing, God, that you want to do miracles, but you want to see us participate in that miracle. And so, God, help us to have enough faith to realize that our greatest need can become our greatest blessing because it forces us on our knees before you. God, give us the faith to keep digging ditches, to keep digging ditches, knowing, God, that you will pour forth, pour forth the rain and the blessings and God you will move 
in a mighty, mighty way. We praise you, God. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your grace. And we can't wait to see you move. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.